What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. All right, welcome back to Transformed. I'm your host, Dr. Greg Gifford, and we have been talking through shame, regret, and we will get to guilt in our next episode. Remember last episode, I introduced the idea of regret and shame as being somewhat similar. Regret's typically how we would identify it in our modern culture, but yet we do use the the term shame on the occasion. You regret making a decision. You regret accepting a job. When you think about your regrets, uh, for some of us, they're numerous. We don't have to go very far back to think of those. Uh, For others of us, we maybe think about our walk before we were in Christ and following Christ. For me, it's typically my high school days where I wasn't I wasn't living my life for Christ as Lord. And I think, man, I, I would do a lot differently if I had lived for Christ as Lord during my high school years. But when we think about our regrets, remember from last episode that there's two categories I want you to start to synthesize. We're saying uh, as, as <laughs> I don't know if that's a word. I've just created a word, as. We're saying, is what I've done sinful or is it not? We're evaluating our regret and our shame in that way. So first stop, take your regrets to the word of God, take your shame to the word of God and see if God calls what you're experiencing regret and shame over an actual sin. Because there are things that may be regretful or there are things in your life that you regret, but you're not in sin. And ultimately we have to trust the Lord on that. We have to trust that we didn't do anything wrong on that occasion. But there are times whenever what I have done is sin. So this episode, I want to pick up with shame where it's not just regret. It's that I actually did do something sinful. So you remember some of what James and Mary originally wrote in. It's that they were the ones who were acting. They were not necessarily being acted upon. In the future, we'll address how do we, how do we deal with significant shame when we have been the receptor of people's sinful actions. But today I want to focus on us being the source of sinful actions. So grab your Bible. Let's go over to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and then I'm just going to read for you Romans 1, 16 as you're turning there. So go to 2 Timothy 1. Remember, Paul tells the Romans, he is not ashamed of the gospel. Jesus is even going to say in the gospels in Luke 9, that if you are ashamed of him, then he will be ashamed of you at his coming. That does literally mean that if you cower from sharing the gospel, if you cower and are, and, and are embarrassed of Jesus Christ, that your shame in and of itself is shameful, that there is something wrong about your shame because you're ashamed of the wrong thing. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So what, is, what does that practically look like? There are times when our shame in and of itself is sinful. 
I spoke at a conference in 2018. We were talking about shame and guilt. And I brought up this idea that if you are ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, your shame is inherently sinful. And we have to identify that. If I'm ashamed of Paul as the prisoner of the Lord, and I'm Timothy, then that shame is immediately sinful. So there are times when your shame in and of itself is sinful. Let's go over to one more passage. Go over to 1 John. In 1 John, you're going to see that we have a letter written to help those who are preparing for Jesus to return. They're trying to live faithfully. They're trying to identify who is an antichrist and who is a legit apostle, who is the Son of God. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. If you know that he is righteous, well, I'm in the wrong one. Hang on, that's verse 29. Where are my glasses at? All right, here we go, verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Do you want to be ready for the return of Jesus Christ? Or do you want to shrink from him in shame at his coming? What a powerful statement. When Jesus comes back, there will be some of us that shrink in shame at his coming. And that shame is not commendable. So John is going to write in the next chapter, purify yourselves as you anticipate the return of Jesus Christ. So hear me on this, listeners. Some of our shame is wrong shame in and of itself when we are ashamed of the wrong things. We shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel. We shouldn't be ashamed of Christ. We should be living in our our life in such a way that we're not ashamed. So when Jesus comes back, we think, oh, yeah, it's time versus, oh, no, it's time. So when we live our lives that way, there is no shame. The, The righteous are as bold as a lion, the Proverbs say. So when I've identified that what I have done, that event, that experience is legitimately sinful, how do I move forward in this? So remember, the the chronology is take my regret and shame to the word of God. If I am I'm convicted by the word of God, then my next step is repentance. I had a friend named Tim Bright. I still have a friend named Tim Bright. Tim, I love you. Uh, so I don't want to speak of him past tense. Tim, he used this concept to say that you take your guilt to the cross. Some of our sins and our shame from our past and our actions and embarrassments, and maybe Mary or James, this is where you're at with the question you wrote. Those are not the terminal point. The terminal point is not to say just feel shameful, the end. Your regret and your shame is intended to move you toward repentance. Take your regret and shame to the cross. Repent of the things that you have done if they are sinful. You see, shame and repentance, and hear me on this, and I'll explain this more from the scripture, but hear me on this. Shame, regret, they are God's kind way of prompting us to change. Did you catch me on that? Shame and regret are not the end point. It is not that we are to walk around feeling lousy and embarrassed. Rather, when you are feeling regret and shame, when you're sensing that and the word of God says, yes, you should 
then the next step is not to wallow in that and say, ah, woe is me. I always do this. I'm the worst. I'm so dumb. No one loves me. That is not the next step. The next step is to say, I'm going to move with my regret and shame to the cross and repent of what I've done. In that way, God is very kind to say, you should not continue to do that. And the reason why you feel terrible and embarrassed about that is because that is not God's will for your life. It's a scary thing when a person doesn't experience shame over things they should experience shame for. Paul says in Ephesians 5, like even what's done in secret by certain people is embarrassing to talk about. Romans 1, the end of sexual deviancy is that people not only practice it, but they promote it. Yikesola. That's a word. You guys can look it up. Yikesola. That should scare you. If I don't feel shame, that should be more concerning because shame is intended to move us to repentance. Okay, turn with me in your Bible to 2 Corinthians. This is one of the clearest examples in all of the scripture where we see uh, a call to repentance and some of the way that that repentance is cultivated. Now, remember the Corinthian church were no heroes. They're the, the, the furthest south on the Greek island or on the country, just in the Ikea region. Remember, Corinth is going to be the final stop before Paul heads back over to Ephesus on his second missionary journey. He starts a church there. Acts 18 has a vision from Jesus. Jesus says, I have many people, so stay here. And He does for a year and a half, and he's going to continue to write back to this people and remind them of God's will for the life. In one of those letters he wrote, he tells them something that grieves them. First, excuse me, Second Corinthians 7, verse 8. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. You see that phrase? Paul wrote to them, he rebuked them, they were grieved by it, and that grief developed something. It produced something. What did it produce? According to verse Eight, it produced repentance. Verse nine, you were grieved into repenting. So what is the point of the grief, the sorrow, the shame? It's not that you would just experience grief, sorrow, and shame. Listeners, you have to hear this. Your grief, your embarrassment, your shame, your regret over something sinful that you've done is not the end. That is a worldly grief that leads to death, but a godly grief is going to lead to change and repentance. So we got to take a break. Although I'm all fired up, we got to take a break and we will be right back to conclude with our second segment about how we move forward. We'll be right back. Folks, well, we're going to take this break, as Dr. Gifford said, and as we do, I want to guide your attention the next couple of minutes to some incredible resources we have available at transformed.org. 
You know, the last couple of weeks, Dr. Gifford's been drilling deep into the topic of regret and shame and guilt. Well, we have a book available at transform.org that I believe complements what he's sharing. It's called Trusting God by Dr. Jerry Bridges. Just a quick glimpse into the book. Dr. Bridges says that you are the result of attentive, careful, thoughtful, intimate, detailed, and creative work by God. Your personality, your sex, your height, your features are what they are because God made them precisely that way. He made you the way he did because that's the way he wants you to be. If God had wanted you to be basically and creatively different, he would have made you differently. Oh, you talk about powerful words to consider in, 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 in the moments of guilt and shame and regret. Trusting God by Dr. Jerry Bridges is available right now at transformed.org. And while you're there perusing through all of the resources we have available, I would also ask if you could prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Your financial support not only helps to keep this program up and running, but also it assists us in creating more biblical resources. If you love what we're doing at Gospel Partners Media, we would love if you would prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Just head over to transform.org and find out just how you can get the partnership started. Also, while you're there at transform.org, we realize and understand the need in our local churches for more biblical counselors and biblical counseling ministries. And we have invaluable resources that help you get the ball rolling, one of which is The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. You've heard Dr. Gifford talk about this book, and this book is a foundational book for anyone interested in biblical counseling. Ken Sandy's The Peacemaker, available right now at transformed.org. All right, well, that's enough for me. We're going to get back to Dr. Greg Gifford now as he continues to unpack the Bible's wisdom in dealing with regret, shame, and guilt. This is Transformed. Welcome back to Transform. The world's definition of beauty is simply not found in the Bible. Instead, the Bible informs us that true beauty is defined not by this world, but by God Himself. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Okay, welcome back. We've been discussing sinful shame. And remember, there is certain shame that's sinful in and of itself. If you're ashamed of the gospel, there's something wrong with that. And if you're ashamed of the messengers of the gospel, 2 Timothy 1, there's something wrong with that. So Jesus does say, if you're ashamed of him, he will be ashamed of you. John says there will be those that shrink back in shame when Jesus comes back. So there is a level of shame in and of itself that we have to say is wrong. But shame is used as a means of convicting and mobilizing repentance within you. So when you have legitimately experienced regret and shame over a sinful action that you have taken, what do you do next? That's what we're addressing in this segment. What do you do next? Well, according to 2 Corinthians Paul says that he rejoices because the grief that he caused the Corinthians prompted repentance in them. Maybe that is the grief of the divisions and he rebukes them for the divisiveness. That's uh, chapter 1, verse 10, chapter 2 in 1 Corinthians. Maybe it's that they had accepted the sexually immoral person and were affirming that incestuous relationship. 
Maybe it's that Paul rebukes them over their use of food offered to idols and clarifies how they should respect each other. Maybe it's the chaos of their Sunday morning services where one person's prophesying, one person's speaking in tongues. It's just total chaos, and, and Paul rebukes that. Or maybe it's that he corrects their understanding of the resurrection, and some were saying it already happened in 1 Corinthians 15. We don't know exactly what that, that context is of how he grieved them, but we do know that they were grieved and grieved into repenting. But look at what Paul says here. He says that this response is delineated in two different ways. There's godly grief and then there's worldly grief. For you felt a worldly grief. This is midway through 2 Corinthians 7 verse 9. You felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Oh, man. Did you guys feel that? Did your car rumble as I was playing that? Actually, I wasn't playing that. I was reading that. Weird. Think of it like this. Paul is saying, what does godly grief do? Sorrow, what does godly regret, godly shame do? It produces repentance. You take your shame to the cross and you repent of what you've done. It leads to salvation, and that salvation has no regret. How is it that the author of this can kill Stephen, one of the earliest deacons and apologists of the church? He can be complicit in that murder, Acts 7, and say this, because he understands that when you have repented, you are free. You are free. We're going to talk about that more in our next episode. When I sense guilt, when I feel guilt versus when I am guilty. And Paul is going to say that when you repent, it leads to salvation without regret. How can the murderer Paul say you don't have to have regret? How can he say Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus? He knows the power of the gospel to bring salvation and change. And yet the last part of verse 10 does say, Worldly grief produces death. It does. Honestly, it does. When you have sinned in such a shameful way and you have no meaningful path to deal with your regret, it gnaws at your soul. The pain that you've caused to other people, to your kids, it gnaws at your soul. People, they try to placate and drown their sorrows with alcohol. They try to distract themselves with entertainment and television. People try to bury themselves in their work and might get quite wealthy in the process, but what are they doing? They're hiding from their shame. They're suppressing that shame. They're resisting it. If you have no meaningful path for dealing with your grief through repentance, it is a, it's a burden to you for the rest of your days. You know, you'd be surprised the amount of guys that I'll counsel in, in the presenting problem is depression, just sorrow, heaviness, sadness. And as I begin to interact with them more in our first session and learn a little bit about what's going on, it's depression. Yes, they're experiencing the symptoms of depression, but they're also harboring sin in their life. They have known unrepentant sin. Listener, think of it this way. How can you expect to feel great if you're harboring sin? 
in what world does that make sense? If you're harboring sin, don't be surprised if you have the burden of shame that plagues you in the quiet moments of your day. That's God's kindness to you. Shame is God's kindness to lead you to repent because when you repent, you're free. There's no regret. You're saved. Maybe it's ongoing restoration in the fellowship that you have with God. Whatever that is, if you have a meaningful path of repentance that comes through a godly conviction and a godly sorrow, then you have a life. But if you don't have a meaningful path to deal with your sorrow, it's awful. And some of you are hearing this right now and you're saying, you know what, Dr. Gifford, you're right. It is awful. And I've been plagued by this for years. I asked one of the counselees on our most recent Transform series, I said, how do you deal with it? How do you deal with the thoughts? How do you deal with the shame? How do you deal with the past? And he said, honestly, I use drugs and I watch TV before I go to sleep. And that's how I deal with it. That's how certain people deal with it because worldly sorrow, it only produces death. There's no meaningful path. So what is that? What is that next step? Well, listener, if, if you are hearing this and you're saying, you know what, Dr. Gifford, I am convicted over something that I have done that was sinful. Would you hear me on this? Your next step is repentance and taking your sin to Christ and acknowledging that first John chapter one, that you're to confess your sins and you're to turn from them. And God is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. When you have done that, according to the scripture, you are free. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but you're free. You're going to see that if I have dealt with my shame, then I have nothing to be ashamed of anymore. There are going to be pockets of your life and events in your life where you wish you could redo them, but you can't. You wish that you could go back and undo the toll that that would have on other people, but you can't. And so now you have to say, what can I do? Well, I can be faithful right now going forward. I have repented of that and I am free from any responsibility in that. I'm not guilty anymore. Last thought for you before I end for the day. So I've said up to this point, you take your regret to God's word. If you are indeed in sin over what you feel shame for, then you repent of that and you be faithful now going forward. Godly grief produces change through repentance, but worldly grief, it just produces death. It's, it's like we're just adding to the burden. You have a backpack on and we keep putting in more stones into it. But hear me on this last one. Listeners, if you're not careful, you can experience what the scripture identifies as searing your conscience. Now, if you're worried about searing your conscience, you're probably not that person, number one. So some of you are going to hear this and be like, have I seared my conscience already? You're probably not the one that's getting close to searing their conscience. Let me tell you the person that's getting close to searing their conscience, where they are knowingly are harboring sin and they don't care and they're continuing to do it. You better be careful because before long, your judgment is that it doesn't feel wrong anymore. You don't have shame. There's one thing of saying, I know this is wrong and I shouldn't do it, but I am. There's quite another to say this isn't wrong and I'm going to do it. When that culminates, you've seared your conscience. We hand you over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh is the way the scriptures speak of it. That Lord willing, your soul would be preserved through that. 
So don't resist, don't harden, don't try to snuff out those convictions and the potential regret and shame that you experience. Instead, interpret them with the grid and the lens of Scripture. Because if you resist them and say, you know what, who cares? Well, I had to do what I had to do. Well, you can't judge me. No, 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 no. Be very careful with that because before long, you're going to sear your conscience. You're not going to listen to anyone, including God's spirit who is here to convict you. So be sensitive to those regrets and those experiences of shame, but take them to the word of God to interpret them through God's perspective. And if you're doing that, honestly, if you're doing that, then that's all that you're called to do. So next episode, I'm going to delve into guilt. So regret and shame that lead to guilt or regret and shame that lead to me not being guilty and identifying that I'm not guilty. How do I move forward from my shame when I'm not guilty and trusting the Lord? And how do I move forward from my shame when I am guilty and trusting the Lord? So I hope you'll join us on our next episode. Let me pray for you before we're done for today. Lord, I do pray for the listeners that this message would be free that there are some that do need to repent of the ways that they've sinned against you and others. And I pray that this would just be a nudge in that direction to free them, to free them of the burden that they've been bearing. And that as people move closer to you through holiness and godly living and a life trying to please you, that the blessedness and the freedom that Paul speaks of a salvation without regret would be theirs. Let that joy come as we live our lives for you, to honor you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, a production of Gospel Partners Media. Our website, of course, is transformed.org, and it is your central hub for finding in-depth information on all things transformed. If you've enjoyed Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends and church family. Also, would you prayerfully consider joining this labor of love by becoming an ongoing monthly Gospel Partner? And until next time, go serve your King. 